Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. As a mum, I'm pretty across societal expectations of mothers today. What dads face is another thing entirely. Sean Zepps is a father of twin toddlers and blogs at Bringing Up Gabies. He's here to talk to us about modern fatherhood. Hi, Sean. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, you and your husband, Josh, didn't have a traditional path to parenthood. How did you find your family and friends responded to your desire to become dads? That's an interesting question. I found that people were confused initially. They all smiled with glee when I said we were going to become parents. And then they like hesitated and then tiptoed into the question of like, how? Question mark. <laughs> I would say 50% of strangers go immediately to adoption uh, when they're talking with gay couples. And I think that is totally justified, especially based off of living in Australia and, and our relationship as a country to surrogacy. Because we chose a surrogacy path in America, we were living there at the time, there were people who at least understood that that was an option. But it was interesting. I found that people make a bunch of kind of, I don't even want to say expectations or judge, like judgment, just like, oh, you must be doing it this way. And then when you say surrogacy, they go, oh, interesting. What does that mean? How does that work? And then like all the weird questions kind of come in. Can I, um, I'm going to put my own judgmental question out there. Yeah. Did you get any response of the kind of, oh, that's interesting, because you strike me as quite a young dad? I would say, this is not an exaggeration, 80% of people who meet me say, you are so young. You have kids. You're a baby. What's funny is... You just use oil of ule. (laughs) Uh, I'm going on 32. My husband's going on 42. Um, My parents had three kids by the time they were 27. And back then that was totally normal. So it's so funny to me that everyone looks at me and goes, damn, you're young. Um, when I'm at the park, when I'm at mother's groups, when I'm at, you know, ba- baby bounce, I do feel young. I realize that I'm young, but I feel like I'm at the perfect age. Like there's something about the energy that I can bring to parenting that just feels spot on. Yeah. You've got way more energy than me. <laughs> <laughs> Even the way I said that. (laughs) Um, Were there any expectations on you in the process of becoming dads? Because, um, as you say, you had a surrogate. Like, What Mm. was that relationship like? It was interesting. I think because most people, and this is, again, very justified, focus all of the energy and effort on the mother. Um, All of the questions were just about her, about the surrogate. People completely skipped over us, and we never thought it was weird. We didn't question it. It wasn't until after the birth of our twins where we felt really unprepared that we realized because people weren't asking us questions, we weren't thinking about the right things. Society absolutely glazes over dads for sure. And it makes total sense. The woman is doing everything. She's doing all the physical work, the mental work. She's getting up late. She's having her whole body change. She has a constant reminder in her belly that something is happening. So people just think about her. They care about her. They ask her questions. And so I think when you're going through a physical transformation, you do more research, right? If you had an injury, you just look into that injury. And because it nothing happens to men, they just 
put a little less effort into it, I think. And for us, you know, people just didn't even really say like, how are you feeling? Are you ready? They were just like, so how's the surrogacy? How's, how's the surrogate? How's the, how are the babies doing? Um, you didn't get the stuff that all expecting parents get about, oh, just you wait, you won't sleep again in your life. Oh, or... of course. We got that stuff, which is like <laughs> so unhelpful. Um, it, probably that's the only thing we got was either not about us at all or just negative. Like, oh, your whole life's going to change or get your sleep now instead of what I wish I had received, which I think some women do, which is like not helpful advice, but just um, like, what are you nervous about? How are you feeling? How's this transformation going? Are you getting the support that you need? Um, Yeah, I didn't get that. And also when you're talking in that way with someone else, it that's how we explore our feelings and thoughts about something. So if you Mm. weren't having those questions asked or if you weren't having those conversations and then you get your babies. Absolutely. And then you've got no time to think. Exactly. (laughs) I think what's really unique about being a gay couple um, going through the process of adoption or surrogacy or any of the options we have is you become a parent in a second, like a millisecond usually your surrogate doesn't live in your town. Uh, In our case, she lived in a different state. And so there were days that went by where you forgot you were going to become a parent. Whereas the blessing, the beautiful part of being a mother and caring, and I guess anyone can relate to this who doesn't care, male or female, um, is there isn't a constant reminder. So you're just like not thinking about it as much. You're potentially drinking. Like your life just kind of moves on and then boom, you become a parent. And I think there is a great benefit to the constant reminder, like our bodies are powerful tools, weapons. I don't know the right word. But tools. For, let's yeah, go let's tools. go with tools. Let's go with tools. <laughs> but for women, like, you know, you're being forced to wake up because your body is like sending, like having to pee or whatever. And then that actually carries into what your sleep schedule becomes when you're a parent. So women are a little more prepared. Well, they do say that's the whole thing. If you can pay attention to what's happening in your belly, mm. then when your baby's out, it's likely that, you know, if they always start kicking it too. Oh, wow. That then potentially once they're born... Oh, that makes total sense. They're going to be awake at two, so. Everyone gives you advice when you're pregnant, male or female, like, I'll get your sleep now. And I'm like, don't get your sleep now. Like, start not sleeping now so that (laughs) it's less difficult in nine months. It's not a shock. Yeah. Wow. No, I would never have done that. (laughs) Um, How do you think modern fatherhood differs from those of generations before? I love this question. It's actually something I've been thinking a lot about. I'm really close with my dad, so we. I was in America recently, and we were kind of talking about modern parenthood and like how it differed from when he was a, um, a father and then when his father was a father. Really up until the 90s, so like 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, there was an expectation that the man would leave the house. He would work full-time, if not longer. He would come home late. Um, he would be uh, connected but not like emotional like he wouldn't be crying intensely in the 70s it was still not common practice for men to say I love you every single day to their children Uh, and all the way up until the 90s in every country the expectation from society and amongst other dads was that men should teach their sons or daughters to throw a ball to be strong to fight back and so in the 90s for a million different cultural reasons, you know, that starts to change. And I think 
there are a lot of expectations on women that have adjusted. Um, having it all is kind of the best slap title you can shove on any new mother is like, are you going to work? Is like one of the first questions. Like, how soon are you going to go back to work? Are you going to continue to follow your dreams? And so because women are going back to work more and more um, sooner, uh, that has put some pressure in the best way possible on men to really step up to the plate. In the 70s and 80s, asking a dad, have you changed a diaper yet? Was not a weird question. 10 months after the birth, people were still asking that question. And for people like my great-grandfather, it would have been like, no, of course not. I haven't. I don't even know how. Since the 90s and absolutely being a modern dad today, you learn how to do everything right away. It is completely unheard of. I've never met a modern dad who doesn't know how to do all those things. And so I think that's great. You have these couples that are supporting each other in kind of what I think is a, a healthier manner um, so that for whatever reason, if a mother um, or in my case, the other father is not available, that the dad can really step in and have a little ownership. Then one of the things my dad and I were talking about was just the emotional relationship and expectations that fathers will have with their children. Um, it's absolutely common practice. We wouldn't even think about it anymore that dads would say, I love you to their children and be there emotionally and support them. And I think behind closed doors, guys are having a lot of conversations about what being a good father means. And a lot of that is about not just throwing a ball because it's what you're supposed to do. It's allowing your children to kind of dictate that path and then supporting them. So my dad um, is a huge like sports guy, uh, all American athlete in America, basically like best of the best. And I was a dancer. So he had to kind of like adjust. He didn't have a dad who showed him that because he only would have played sports with his father. But being a modern dad in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s that he had to be for me, you know, re required him to kind of move and groove. And I think nowadays it's you see it more and more frequently. Good dads, the dads that go viral, the videos that go viral yeah. are of dads singing and dancing and loving and being playful and teaching their daughters and sons what it means to be a human and the way that women have had to kind of traditionally take all of the empathetic burden on their shoulders. It's just not the case anymore, which is great. Do you have any videos of any dance recitals that you could share? Oh, I do. <laughs> if you knew my maiden name, you'd be able to find a lot online. Oh, tell me. Tell <laughs> I will me. not. I will not. <laughs> I'll show you mine if you show oh, me Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> um, did you and Josh sit down and work out how you would manage the kids, like you were just mentioning there, that you, modern fatherhood has changed. So the expectations of um, what dads can do has changed. Mm. But in your relationship with Josh, you both have different workloads yeah. and different historical workloads before you had the kids. So yeah. was there ever a point where you sat down and went, okay, I'm going to be at home for a while. You can be at work. Did you, did you think about that at all? God, I wish we did. Hearing you talk, I'm like, that sounds good. Um, we actually made a huge mistake, which was we had ideas of what parenthood was going to be in our own heads. We talked about the types of parents we wanted to be aggressively for probably much longer than normal couples because the journey of surrogacy or adoption is quite long. And so we had many more months than just the nine to really think about how we were going to discipline our kids, what we liked about our parents, what activities we wanted to do with them. So we had that all figured out. But we never sat down and said, we're disrupting the norm here. 
we are are we going to fall into the typical male female gender roles the parenting roles we never discuss that and so what happened and this was a rude reality and what was most difficult for about parenting in the first year for us is we both wanted to be the mom and the dad and that clashed a lot there is something s- nice about kind of knowing your lane a little bit and so i would want all of the responsibility of making decisions for them because I was a stay-at-home parent and I wanted to plan their schedule and pick their activities and pick their clothes and decide how we were going to teach them. But then I like didn't want to do any of the cleaning. I like thought he <laughs> needed to. And he wanted to like take a back seat in a way that didn't feel natural for him to kind of let me make decisions. But if he thought that they were misguided, he like couldn't figure out where he could step in. And so probably seven or eight months into it, we were like, we need to just like stop for a second and acknowledge the fact that we both want to be the mom and dad, and that is fine. But where is the division of labor? Because I think actually going in and deciding this is the role that I'm going to play is not about gender, but it is about who is going to do what and when. Therefore, when the other person is doing said thing, you can either support them or appropriately disagree with them. We just missed out on that. So that was a really good learning lesson. Wow. Very evolved to actually yeah. <laughs> come to that point and be able to talk about it. Though. Sure. I mean, it took a while. Yeah. <laughs> Eight months? Yeah. 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 yeah, you got there. And as the stay-at-home parent at that time, have you found in the beginning, I know that you've been working full-time recently, yep. Um when you were the primary caregiver at home, did you find the expectations of you were different to those that people had of Josh? Definitely. I think that was actually a part of the problem of those first eight months was feeling like n- no one was interested in me anymore. I know women feel this way. I've heard it from so many of my girlfriends. It's like the moment you have a child, like your passions, desires, interests, or even how you're feeling go out the damn door and the t- total focus is on the child, the child, the child, the child. Whereas when people were around Josh, they seemed so interested in like, how are you coping? And like, you back at work? Like, is it hard to balance? And I was over there thinking like, I have a full-time job. Like that job is watching the children. Um, (laughs) And it's so much more difficult. I think there's still, this will never go away, but there's still a feeling if you're the stay-at-home parent, you think your job is harder. And if you're the working parent, you think your job is harder, without a doubt. And there is no real way to, um, I don't think, to come to terms with the differences. The reality is financial burden of an entire family is a challenge to go to work each day and you might be being interrupted at night or having to wake up and do this, quote, second job, which is raising your children Um you know, that is difficult. I can imagine that as a, as a working parent now, I know how hard that is to go to work each day and, you know, fight through meetings when all you want to do is fall asleep. At the same time, when I was a stay-at-home parent, I was like the psychological hurdles, the mental warfare to get through each day. I'm like, there's nothing. I would die to be at work again in comparison to this and have conversations with adults who can talk back to me. Like, <laughs> yes. I remember yelling at my husband one day. I'm like, you get to have rational conversations all day. Like, I'm watching blobs. Um, <laughs> and so I think, like, that was a struggle for me, the fact that people seemed to not really be interested in me anymore. Um, 
And really the bigger issue was just coming to terms with the fact that I had made this decision that I was happy to be home, um, but that I was jealous of my husband. I was jealous that he got to leave. I was jealous that he got to have adult conversations. I was jealous that he was making money. And it was really strange for me going from being the primary provider for the, the year before I was making more money than my husband to go to needing to ask him for money. Oh, I'm sure any woman who hears this is like, yes, 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 yes. Cause historically it's, you know, it's been that, um, gender divide, but men are becoming stay at home parents more and more than ever before. I think it's, it's a small number. It's about 4% in Australia now. So it's, it's not a lot. It's like 68,000 fathers are stay at home parents. Um, but that means that the men are, you know, being jealous of their wives. So, yeah, ha, 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 the tables have turned. <laughs> Sean, it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming in. Of course. Thanks for having me. That's Sean Zepps. He's a father of toddlers who are twins and blogs at Bringing Up Gabies. We'll put a link to his fabulous website in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.